Hello, everyone. Welcome to Filmmaking Sucks, where the we, podcast. <laughs> where we tell you about all the mistakes you can make when producing a film and how you can avoid them on your own. And I'm one of your hosts, Manny. And I'm your other host, Lindsay. Do I call myself Lindsay or do I call myself Lynn? I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know. But we're back. Back. We're back. It's been a little while. And better than ever. I hope so. <laughs> what is wrong with him? I don't know. Our dog is staring off into nothingness. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's staring directly at our Beetlejuice candy bowl holder. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. We have yeah. a Beetlejuice candy bowl holder. Mm-hmm. So we said we were going to try to do episodes this month. Obviously, we haven't had a chance to do one yet nope as i said we probably wouldn't (laughs) well i was committed which is why i wrote this list today Uh uh-huh okay so um happy october happy horror-tober 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 i hope you were enjoying your 31 days of halloween i'm enjoying it we're watching rawhead rex yes the special edition Blu-ray just came out. Ooh. Yeah. If you're following along with us, which I don't think many of you are, so get on it. Uh, we're doing the Horror Geek Challenge this month. Uh-huh. So, Hashtag Horror Geek Challenge. Hashtag 31 Days of Horror Movies. I never do that one. I always do 31 Days of Horror. I do it because a lot of people use that one. So I do, I do 31 it. Days of Horror. I'm mad lazy. Um so yeah, today is the 1980s, so we are doing Rawhead Rex. We did Cannibals yesterday, mm-hmm. so super fun. You can join us late, and we'll mark you off too many points. On Instagram and Twitter and Facebook for the most part. I don't always share to Facebook. but I don't either. But it's in the it's on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. It's definitely on Instagram. Definitely on Instagram. I don't I always do share Twitter. to Twitter. I do. Mm. So you can follow us there, watching horror movies all month long. Yay. Well, sort of watching. I have to. I have some confession that I usually just put the movie on and then continue working on whatever the hell I'm working <laughs> on. So it's on, and yeah. But I usually do. And like Monday through Friday, I'm doing like two, three movies a day at least. I yeah. Can't, like Zombie Day was ridiculous. I think I did like eight or nine you movies really in a row. Did. It was crazy. I had a lot of zombie movies, just one after another after another. So that was fun. Yeah. Uh but so what have we been up to? Well, I figure you could share your news, and then I'll share mine. Mm. I almost burned my mic. I have news. Where were we two weeks ago? Um, well, this is where we were going with this. Mm. So, Shauna Shea went well. Very well. Shauna Shea Film Festival went very well. It was a great show. Uh, Theta States came home with Best Director. I won Ooh, Best Director. Congratulations. Yeah. And I won uh, Best of Festival Feature. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're surprised like you weren't there. I know. I was just being there for You're the audience. in character. Got it. I was Got in it. character. In method. Gotcha. Hmm. So, that so how was, did that feel? That was really cool. I was That was surprising. That was honestly surprising because um, Dogged, which played alongside us. Which was, is an amazing, amazing folk horror out of the UK, which if you get a chance, it's doing film festivals now. But definitely if you get a chance, check it out. I mean, it's going places, I think. Uh-huh. We got to know um, Lee and Matt. Yes. The um, co-writer and producer of the film. Yep. And we, uh, they came from across the pond for their world premiere. Which was awesome. Mm-hmm. We spend most. Of, we 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 were happy to be staying in the same hotel as them, so 
pretty much spent the whole weekend hanging out with the two of them and a couple other people who showed up. Yeah. Um, they were. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. We will always have Southbridge. We will always have Southbridge. Uh, so then this past weekend we did, we were at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. We well, I was going to do my news. We were, well, I was going, getting yeah, there. Okay. Get there. We, yeah, we were at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. We weren't screening, but we were hanging out there. Yes, we were. And, uh, we did that Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday because Friday we were somewhere else. Yes, we were. Where were we on Friday? We were at a fundraiser for the Axe Wound Film Festival. And why did we go there? Because Beneath will be screening at Axe Wound Film Festival wow. in Battleboro, Battleboro, Vermont. Vermont. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You yeah. got a screening at a, at a Women in Horror Film Festival. I do. I'm really excited. Cool. You're also screening where? You have a couple others. Come I have on. a couple others. Uh, the New York Short Film Festival. Um, mm. That is November 4th at 9.30 at Cinema Village. It's a freaking movie theater. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's I'm really cool. super psyched about that. And um, I'm actually going to be screening in the same block as uh, the Forte Brothers, Matthew Forte's film, Let It Die. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really excited about that. Screening with some cool people. Yeah. You excited? I am. I'm nervous, I'm but nervous I'm excited. As hell, huh? <laughs> I am. Your first like official screening. It's that's my like first yours. official. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's crazy. So uh, hopefully we get some more. We have we have four or five more festivals waiting on in the next two weeks. Yeah, I think I, we I think we have like five in the next two days. It's like crazy. Yeah. Um. So uh, hopefully we get into some of those. But, Keep your fingers crossed for but us, if guys. If we don't, yes. if we don't, then the New York Shorts will be your world premiere. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. I have a world premiere. Yeah, right? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm getting some good feedback off of Beneath so far. Yeah. People enjoy it. I'm glad you made it. I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, so that's our news. Yeah, that's our news. You're also doing Macabre Fair. You got oh, accepted yeah. to Macabre Fair. I also Fair, got accepted which is, to Macabre Fair, which is January. January. That's January. That's a ways away, but nonetheless, you yeah. got the acceptance already. Yes. That's pretty cool. So weird how we're accepted to the one in January already, but we have. I know we're still waiting. But we're waiting on we're waiting on notifications for festivals that are going to happen within the next three weeks. Yeah, it's so weird how it that is. happens. It's it's uh, it's kind of one of the things we're going to talk about a little bit today. Mm-hmm. Um, since we've been doing uh, since we've been going to a bunch of uh, festivals and screenings and stuff yeah. lately, um, uh, we actually uh, we also went to uh, the Coney Island Film Festival a yep. couple of weeks ago. Yes, we did. Went to the Coney Island. Uh, we've been to a lot of film festivals lately. Oh, it's the time of year. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's kind of what we're going to talk about. It's kind not of, so much. I don't think we're doing so much an educational episode as is a discussion of what we've what we've learned. So education on us. Yeah. What have what we, we learned, learned the last couple mm. of last month or so of screenings and festivals and things of the sort. We're going to take a moment to reflect. Uh huh. Okay. Reflection done. <laughs> <laughs> I just really wanted to be. I don't know. So um. Yeah. Start us off. Where are we going? Well, what are we doing? What are we talking? Let's let's start off. Uh, this can be a little bit of a different episode, as we said. This is a bit of a uh, reflection for the two of us, what we've learned. Um, we're going to be talking to a different crowd than normal. Um, a little you know, bit, yeah. First time filmmakers, some of this may apply, some of this may not. 
Um, just get it done, though. Number yeah. one thing, just get your first film yeah. done. You know, we've talked about it a number of times. That's your goal. Um, for the people who are really looking to make a bigger splash in film festivals or bigger name festivals, mm-hmm. we may be talking more to those lovely people yeah, out there. generally spoken about uh, first films. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the festivals we've been to, um, well, Sean O'Shea had a couple of couple of first-time filmmakers. Yeah. Uh, most of them, surprisingly, are teenagers. Yes. <laughs> a lot of really young filmmakers yeah. at, uh, uh, with their films at Sean O'Shea, which was really cool. And I just want to give one really amazing one that we saw that she actually won Best Animation. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a 13 or 14-year-old girl who made this uh, really cute little animation song about your mom having eyes in the back of her head. Well, she didn't make the song. She made no, the no, video. No, no, no. She made the video. Um, yeah. It's for a well, very well-known kid's and uh-huh. I don't know anything about that, but um, really cute little video. I'm sure you guys can find it on YouTube if you're interested. Uh, eyes in the back of her head. Yep. Again, 13, 14 year old girl. She's already started a collaboration with a well-known children's music. With this, with this singer, yeah. yeah. She she's a fan of the. She was a big fan of the of of their music, and. Um, she wanted to do a video for them, so she did, and it sounds like she's done two or three at this point. Yeah, now. she actually has an agreement that she's doing most of theirs. Yeah, so that's really cool. Which is fantastic. That they and do music a bit for of motivation. kids. Yeah. yeah, they do music for kids, and a kids, and, and a kid letting... is doing their video. Yeah. So that's that's really cool. Um, but it it kind of um, something that I think that a lot of filmmakers, especially when you're starting out and your first. Your first film or two, mm-hmm. um, as we've spoken to first-time filmmakers in the past, we've always said, "Build your tribe, get your get your get your group, get your crew, get mm-hmm. your your people." You know, build a crew of people that you're gonna um, move on with, and you're going to grow with. You're gonna learn. You're gonna. Uh, uh, it's the, it's the Duplass Brothers kind of concept where it's like you you grow together and you, you come yeah. up together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the downside of that, uh, while it is great to have that, to have that, that uh, set of people you work with all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, so this way you get things done and that's really the way you're going to get your – your no budget stuff done. It's probably yeah. the only way you're going to get it done. And it's the when, way to get it done. I mean, it's best to learn yes. and, and, and you can learn from each other's mistakes. And Yeah. So this way too, on top of that, that's the other thing. When, when you start working with more experienced filmmakers and you make mistakes, uh, it, it can discourage you because hmm? you see everybody else around you, you know, doing well. Right. And you just, Still figuring and things bluntly, out. Bluntly, bluntly, you keep falling on your face. No, you're still figuring <laughs> things out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you you become you you start to get a little uh, antsy and um, expectant that your film should reach should yeah. be as good as theirs, but it's not. Yeah. And uh, it's good to have that circle of people, equal footing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, that circle of people who you're going to make mistakes with, and that's I think that's. Uh, that's really important to have. Yeah. So this way you all grow and fall and get back up together. Mm-hmm. So the downside to that is uh, especially, well, I don't know especially, but the downside to having that is the fact that you run the risk of getting stuck in a bubble. Yeah. You you get you get stuck in a cycle. You're literally kind of a rinse and repeat 
for us, for example, mm-hmm. we have our crew of people. Yep. And they all make their own movies as well. Yep. We also have a group of fans, people who've enjoyed our films from the very beginning. Sure. Okay. And uh, at this point, a lot of those fans have become friends of ours. Uh-huh. Okay. And once they become friends, they're hesitant to tell you whether you're doing better or worse. Well, yeah. It's like telling, it's like showing your mom your movie and right. saying, hey, mom, what do you think? No yeah. matter what you do, mom thinks it's amazing. Yeah. Okay? Gra- grandma's not going to tell you. We've said that before. Yeah. You know, uh, um, and you kind of sometimes run that risk with, with, by working with the same people all the time. You end up in that kind of bubble where everybody's proud of everything you all do together. Mm-hmm. And as far as you're con- it's like, well, that whole, that old, that, that saying of we did the best we could with what we have. Yeah. Which I always say I hate that mm-hmm. because if everybody's saying we did the best we could with what we have, is it really the best you could? Or is it a cop out? Yes. Or yeah. is it just your your basic, the answer you always give yourself well, when, yeah, when yeah. you make a mistake? Do you just say, well, that was the best we could have done? Is it really the best you could have done? Or could you have worked a little harder, but everybody is so comfortable with each other? Nobody's challenging each other anymore because we're all so happy and and complacent. I don't know complacent, but you get so comfortable working with the same people. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of like when people switch jobs, you know. It was like you you stay at a company for long enough and it just Mm -hmm. becomes, you know, Routine. routine. Yeah. And it just becomes, well, this is how we do things and this is how we shoot things and this is where we shoot things and these are the people that we use and this yeah. is the positions that everybody fills. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes you got to shake things up. Yeah. So I'm not saying get rid of those people. Not at all. But you do need to find um, a litmus test of sorts. What is a litmus test? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 you need to be able to, you need to find something that you can compare yourself up against objectively. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, this is a journey, so yes. you have to. You're in charge of your own journey, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and some people, you know, their journey just is kind of maintaining a status quo, where it's like this is how I do things, and these are the people I like to work with, and I really don't feel that I need to step up and out of that. Well, see, well, I mean, that's some. I think that's. I think that's a. That's a minority. I what the way I see it is more that. When everybody's working together and everybody's growing together, mm. 10 years on, yes. it's still the same people working together. Mm. Um, you end up kind of stunting your own growth a little bit. Right. Because everybody's movies are just as good as each other. You're all on that same level of quality. Right. You know? So you kind of hit that point where as long as I'm not getting worse, then great. Yeah. You, know, you feel like you're all working, but well, that's what I was talking are about. Are you growing exponentially? Right. Is, that's what I was is, talking about. Is is the journey where it's like you have to find it within yourself, and you have to find it within your world, and your you have to find your own inspirations, you know, and your own aspirations. Mm-hmm. How's that sound? Yeah. Um, so there is. It is really nice to step out of that bubble and step out of that world that you know into something that you don't mm-hmm. to see. Something different. Yeah. To find your new goal. To find your new what goal. Is your, what is your yeah. next goal? And sometimes you can't find that within the little 
group that you right. have. I mean, because you and I, I mean, I don't think we've kind of talked about it on the podcast yet, but, um, you know, once we finished Theta, it's kind of been like, okay, what's next? And we haven't been really clear on that, um, yeah. which is why we decided to do a lot of these film festivals and to actually just attend them as attendees. We've submitted to a lot of film festivals. Yeah, we have. And a lot. <laughs> we've submitted Theta to a lot of film festivals. And while the festivals we get into, we tend to get at very least nominated, generally win some some level of award mm -hmm. from the festivals we get into. Um, we're only getting into about 20% of the festivals we submit to. Right. So we started wondering to ourselves, well, what is it about the film that's not being accepted? Mm. Why did we get rejected from this? I'm looking at the lineup of films and it's like, it's this, a lot of the films are the same style. They have a lot of the same, uh, the same pacing, the same type of story, same theme, very similar themes, exactly. But we're not getting in up against them, right? Okay, so what are they doing in their films that we're not? Mm -hmm. And that's what we had to look at objectively. And this is what I'm saying: you look within your own circle, and everybody's proud of everything that they did. We all worked really hard on it. So no one's going to stand there and say, well, you know what? I didn't do as good as I could have, or I didn't put my all into this because we all put our all into it. Right. But sometimes your all is not good enough when comparing to something else. I wouldn't say that it's not good enough. But it is. Yeah. It is. Okay, I would say it's you know, not good yeah. enough. <laughs> I I'm didn't not, like I, saying I don't that, mean that. I don't mean that exactly. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yes. I don't mean it as a detriment to ourselves no. and, and our crew and the people we've worked with. But are we blind to, the, to our own mistakes? Yeah. But is your best good enough? Yeah. And what we've noticed is in some uh, cases... It's not. No. Okay? And the, again, it's not for lack of trying. Hmm. It's just plain and simple. We made a mistake somewhere along the way. And it's in comparison to the other films that we do stack up against, they did this one or two things better. Right. Well, I mean, you, you know, part of it is that uh, this is a learning process. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like we've said a hundred times, Robert Rodriguez with his, you know, every director has 10 bad movies. Um, so it, it is a learning process. It's a growing process. You know, every time you go out and you try something different, you're, you're learning a new skill, a new something. Um, you're learning a new skill. So it's kind of, okay. Um, the difference between Blood Slaughter and Theta States was huge. Um, and the people who are in our circle, in our world, in our bubble, in our tribe, know us from Blood Slaughter to Theta. Mm -hmm. And they commented many, many times about the the huge jump. I get that. Not that Blood Slaughter was bad, but this is. Yeah. And that's, and I think, and that's what I'm, that's kind of And I think that's, to... that's, you know, we had to actually take it out of that context. Yes. Because they knew us, you know, when we started. They've seen our shorts. They've seen Blood Slaughter. They knew where we were coming from. Mm -hmm. You know, these other film festivals were this seeing us blind. huge leap forward. Yeah. We, to everybody who knows us and knows our work, we made a huge leap forward. Yes. 
to the people who don't know us and don't haven't seen us, they're seeing our film for the first time. They're taking it on its own merit. Mm -hmm. And again, in comparison to some of the other films, it didn't stack up to the others. Right. While 90% of it did, that other 10% didn't. And they were 10% better than us. Okay? Just for argument's sake. So, uh... So we decided that we need to see, well, what is it that we're doing wrong? What are we missing? Where can we improve? Where, and, and I think that as, as a filmmaker, as an artist in general, you always have to find a way to look at yourself and your work objectively, and that's very hard to do. It is really hard. A lot of, I know a lot of filmmakers and a lot of artists that just can't. They can't look at themselves and their work objectively. Hell, I've had conversations with people before. Well, yeah, it, it really is. It, it's their babies a lot of times. It, mm-hmm. it is a part of you that's out there in the world, and it's super hard to release it. I mean, I'm really nervous about this with Beneath. Um, I'm learning a new respect for it, actually, um, because it is. It is very much a part of you. It's a different side of you. It's something that means a lot. So you cherish it. Okay. Yeah. So it's very hard to look at it objectively, but you're never going to grow unless you are able to look at it objectively. Okay. So I think the first step that we actually did was um, a lot of the film festivals that we got rejected from, we, we requested feedback. Yep. Um, I can't say one way or the other if it was good or bad. Um, a lot of it was just... Um, we got we got it we got almost all the same like, a lot of the same feedback a lot of the a same of feedback the same. but a lot of it was also contradictory um, well yeah where like some people said it had great production value and other people said that you know it didn't have that good production value mm-hmm. um, and I think that you and I were were feeling a lot of frustration because we just there was nothing there was never not one thing mm-hmm. or two things or a couple of things that were in every single. As it seemed. That's how, yeah. That's how it seemed. And now that we've gotten feedback from at least 10 or 12 festivals now, mm-hmm. taking it all into yeah. account, um, I've seen what it is. I can narrow it well, that's down. That's what I was going to say is that, you know, we, we didn't, we couldn't make sense of what they were saying so then we decided to go to these film festivals and seeing these film festivals and the films in w- that were accepted into these festivals. Mm-hmm. Now that gives us a context for all of the feedback that we got. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So you just want to get to my list. <laughs> One of our things um, that we've said a hundred times, and I'm telling you no matter how hard you put into it, unless you really know what you're doing or you just get lucky the one thing that is going to bury you at film festivals is your sound yes it is absolutely going to bury you Mm -hmm. okay and even in the past we've i mean at this point we're 12 12 13 years into shooting going to festivals and watching indie films and everything um we have seen plenty of <laughs> plenty of indie films yeah. that have bad sound okay mm-hmm. but over the last maybe 3 or 4 years 
at festivals, that's kind of gone away. Yeah. It's really disappeared. Uh, the technology out there now allows for sound recording to be so much cleaner and editing to be done so much easier, so much cheaper. There's so many more options out there now than there were even when we started shooting Theta States, which at this, which is this week is it's been three years since I sent the script to our actors. That's insane. I can't wrap my head that it's been three years. It's been three years since I first sent the script to some of our actors as of this week. Um, And I'm looking at some of the stuff that's out there now that just didn't exist then, you know, or if it did even, even what what did exist wasn't as cheap or accessible. That's what I was going to say, because the, the mixer that we use for blood slaughter, which Mm -hmm. was a lot of the issues that we had, um, was bought secondhand. Well, it was a crap mixer. Yeah. It was a seventy dollar mixer. Yeah, and it but it was bought secondhand because it was cheap. You mm-hmm. know, um, I don't think the the Zoom was even. Uh it was the Zoom was out there, but okay. it wasn't something we could afford. Right. We put a lot of money into the microphone itself, right? And then we cheaped out on the mixer. Mm-hmm. So we got a great microphone and the sound just bottlenecked at the mixer and went to crap so we ended up getting a terrible a terrible a terrible sound coming out of the microphone even though the mic was perfect you know not a single problem with the microphone but the mixer was the issue Mm -hmm. so we we uh, uh so we had a lot of problems with that and honestly i think the sound on blood slaughter came out really really bad yeah it did um but when we released it, we said, well, it's really not that bad because of how much work we put into fixing it. And we mm-hmm. knew what it sounded like when it's what we started with. Yeah. And we were comparing the final mix to what we started with. Right. We did. And, and it, that's it, where we, that's what our opinion looking at it was being, right. well, it's pretty good. It's really not that bad because you should have heard it before. Yes. <laughs> but in comparison to some others out there, no, this is terrible. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what happens with your film over time. You start looking at what you started versus what you finished and you're comparing your final product to your starting product rather than comparing your final product to other people's final product. I actually shared um, an article, an interview with John Carpenter, where he actually says uh, he does not watch his old films. He can't watch his own films because all he sees is the mistakes. Yeah. And it's very true. And I say that all the time. Oh yeah, I say it all the time about our old movies. I just I can't. It's nothing. Even 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 as much as and at this point I do. I, we we I saw a lot of mistakes in theater over time, and we after sitting watching it with the audience at Shauna Shea, we finally I think I think it had been, you know, it had been about two or three months since I'd actually yeah. watched it. Right. You know, straight through from beginning to end, uh, rather than sitting editing and trying to fix mistakes and, and you know, yeah, and focus this. and picking it apart. Yeah, I actually sat and watched it. You for sat the first back time and watched it in two or three months, and I I love the film. I do. Too. I absolutely love it. Yeah. it's it's it really is very very close to what I wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, but watching it at those new eyes all of a sudden, and then watching everything else next to it, I saw where we were lacking. Right. And um, the fact that this is a movie that we started three years ago. Mm-hmm. And again, so, uh, the editing software, like, okay, some uh, planning as simple as editing. Yeah. Um, da Vinci Resolve mm-hmm. 
was it always had a free version. Yeah. Okay. But it wasn't until about a year and a half ago hmm. that it could do full NLE editing. Right. It was, it was mostly just editor. color grading. It was just a color grading program. That's right. it. And a year and a half ago, it became, they released, uh, uh, I, I think it's Resolve 10, hmm. which now does full video editing. Right. Uh, I still don't use it. But from what I understand, I mean, it's, that's great to have it, and it's a free program. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is huge. Which is amazing, yes, to have. But uh, apparent from what I'm understanding, that it's still kind of clunky, and it's, it's, it's I, I, I mean, the program itself is good, but I tried it. Mm-hmm. It had some issues in it, and I just didn't like it. And I was like, no, it's just, it's running too slow on my computer. Right. It's just not running. Turns out, no. That's the program. The program's library it's yeah video clip library is sluggish as hell hmm so it's not me it's okay. the program i've read uh, i've read quite a few people who have that a few reviews and posts from people who say the same thing like yeah yeah vega yeah yeah uh, da vinci is a great program but that its library for free is terrible. It's going to slow down your workflow because it's so slow. Right. It's so much stuff running in the background. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Resolve also something that's way different from other video editing programs. Uh, Resolve relies heavily on your graphics card. Huh. Okay. Okay. Most video, uh, pretty much all video editing software is going to use your computer's processor Hmm. and it's going to use your graphics card for rendering and certain effects certain tasks effects exactly certain tasks it's going to take from your video card so pretty much for most premiere and after effects and things like that you have you need a good processor and then you have a backup video card you know maybe maybe a three or four gig video card Hmm. and you'll be good but if you're going to run Resolve, you need a top-of-the-line video card because it's going to heavily rely on that video card to run, okay. which is the opposite of everything else out there. So if you're thinking of Resolve, keep that in mind. All right. But uh, the point is that a year and a half ago, this was just color correction. Now you can get a, a free um, industry standard video editing program. You know, and if you want the full version with the 4K and the library sharing and stuff like that, which unless you have an entire team of people working on one project, you don't need. Right. But if you want the full version of it, it's only $300, which just changed six months ago. Six months ago, the full version was 1000 <sighs> Now they've dropped it down to 299 So something as simple as the software you edit on alone yeah. has changed drastically well, in the last year. Yeah, and another big one that we we recognized in technology is the use of drones mm-hmm. is insane. I feel like every movie that we saw at Sean had Shea a drone at some, some point or another. And it was like I'm just going to open my phone with a drone shot. Yep. Yep. And it was like when we when I think god it must have been, it was during the summer, you got that little drone as practice, mm-hmm. and we attempted to, to shoot into the background, <laughs> and we crash-landed that thing yeah. so many times. it was a pile of crap, that little, that little tiny drone, <laughs> but the difference is that when you're talking about these larger, more expensive drones, yeah. their smart technology is so much, so, it's smart technology, it's yeah. insane. Um, 
the I remember when we when we first started shooting Theta, I wanted to get the Phantom Three drone because mm-hmm. that was the top of the line. Right. You know, and that's almost uh, two years ago now that that I was looking into getting that, and that was a fifteen hundred dollar drone. Okay. Uh, I believe that's now down at like eight or nine hundred. Wow! Because there's like another because version. Competition is huge. Version the market point. is full. No, it's not even that. No. The Phantom. I think it's at the fourteen now, or the or the Phantom fifteen or something. Jeez. You know, like there's been right. new versions since, mm-hmm. and there's been upgrades to the firmware of what it had. Even the Phantom, even the thir- the, the the thirteen, you get it now. Mm-hmm. It's still more advanced than it was two years ago. Yeah. Okay? So when I was looking at it two years ago saying, yeah, that's really awesome. It's top of the line right now and it's, you know, it's but it's $1,500. Even if you paid, what you're going to get for $1,500 now mm-hmm. is so much better than you would get for $1,500 two years ago. Yeah. And that's kind of what we've noticed that uh, our film doesn't stack up because a lot of these other films were shot a lot faster mm-hmm. and they got that top of the line yeah. thing right off the bat. And what we notice is a lot of them are very young filmmakers. Yes. So this is where we're lacking in the fact that these young filmmakers are starting out their filmmaking journey where this equipment is readily available. Yes. This is, this is their standard. Yeah. When we started, uh, hell, our first films were shot on the XHA1, mm-hmm. which at the time right. was a $5,000 camera yeah. 10 years ago. And we were shooting on DV tapes. Yes, mini DV, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it is a $5,000 camera. You cannot change. You know, it's It's got a, a stationary lens. lens. Yeah, stationary lens, stationary zoom lens. It was one of the first cameras that, that got HD. Yes, <laughs> yes, one of the it was the one of the first Canon HD cameras. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the, it it was it was the basically it was the successor to the XL2, mm-hmm. and the Canon XL2 is what they shot twenty eight days later on. Yeah, and that's what I went to school. Yeah. We were the X the XL2 came in my almost I think it was probably my last year. We they mm-hmm. we they started using that camera, started yeah. offering that camera for rental, but before that it was the GL2. Yes, the Panasonic. Yeah. Yes, and a friend of ours had that. Yeah, a friend of ours had the Panasonic, and they were shooting on that, and it was. Who the standard. hell knew that I knew camera models? Yeah, good lord. <laughs> um, so yeah, Sal was shooting on the Panasonic GL two. Yeah, we uh, got we we went in to B and H for the XL two. Yeah, and the new XHA one was out, and they said, "Well, it's it's only like a thousand dollars more." Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't even. It was like five hundred dollars yeah. more, but it's HD. Yeah. Now, my debate was, yeah, but with the XL2, you can remove the lenses. You can change lenses. All right, but we're not shooting in HD now, and everything's going HD at the time. Yeah. Like I said, um, the XL2, they shot 28 days later on. The XHA1, they shot crank on. Right. Okay, well, not entirely. That crank was, uh, XHA1 was, was one of the B cameras on crank. Right. And that super high speed, that 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 yeah. that jittery motion you yeah. got in crank yeah. came from this camera. Yeah. That being able to crank up that shutter speed really high. Yeah. That's how they got that look out of this camera. So that's the stuff we started on. Yeah. You know? Uh, so we were top of the line at the time. Right. You know? But 
every six months, yeah, technology so, doubles. It's crazy. So we're looking now 12 years later. Mm-hmm. That's what we started on. Then we went to, uh, in 2008, we got the Canon... Um, XAJ. No, the huh? 60D. And we, yeah, went the to the, we went to the DSLR. And that was one of the brand new cameras then. Okay? And that was, I think, 1200 when we got it. Mm-hmm. Okay? And... Just having that interchangeable lens made everything so much. Yeah, but now the crazy thing is when you when you we were watching all these credits, mm-hmm. all of a sudden everyone has red and the Black Magic Cinema, mm-hmm. and we even saw a couple with freaking Ari in the mm-hmm. credits. And now we're not saying that the camera is what makes it beautiful because no. it's really not. No, it's not. The camera does not make it what it is. No. Okay, camera goes very far. Yeah. In giving you a camera in capable hands is what yes. makes it happen. Yes, the camera though gives you those those high level cameras is going to give you a very nice, clean, crisp, clear image. A lot of these films we're watching; these are kids right out of film school. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they've got a lot of other people on their crew who started it, who are who were in film school with them. Okay, so they literally just took the class on how to light properly. Yeah. Okay. And they have all the the film school equipment, and they get yeah, they get the lighting the with, lighting with kits film from there. School comes that comes the ability to borrow uh, borrow incredibly expensive equipment for free, because you're in the school, so they let you do it. They let you use it over the weekends. You can borrow things from the okay, but the point is, they're starting off with this being the the norm. Right. We ended up putting ourselves in a position where. We learn to use what we had and nothing else. Yes. So we can make what we have look good. Mm-hmm. Okay? Unfortunately, what we have doesn't measure up anymore. No. It just, it just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, the 60D doesn't, doesn't even do 4K or any it of these. It, yeah, it does it, HD. It does HD and that's yeah, it. And it does HD. And it's sort of like one of the earlier video cameras from Canon, I believe. Yeah, the first one was the, the 5D. Yeah. And the 60D came out about a year later. Right. So it was okay. one of the earlier models. About that a year was or two later. Capable yeah. of doing. 2005 or 2006 was when the 5D came out. And it changed the landscape. Yeah, it did. The fact that you were able to do video on a photography camera. Oh, yeah. It changed that's, digital I mean, filmmaking. That's, that's why we have so many filmmakers. <laughs> yes, exactly. It changed digital filmmaking overnight. It did. When that 5D came out, having a $3,000 camera that you can put, you know, a $20,000 lens on mm-hmm. and get crystal clear clarity out of it. Yeah. Get Hollywood look out of it mm-hmm. by just putting an expensive lens on a cheap body. Yeah. We got that XHA1 about six months to a year before that 5D came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so almost immediately, within a year... Our camera was, was already becoming obsolete. Exactly. That $5,000 camera mm-hmm. by 2010 was a $2,000 camera. Yeah. Going back to these films we were watching, mm-hmm. their standard is already a level above what our standard is. Yes. What we see is, well, this is, what, this is what's great. What, is what, we've, you know, what we know to be, mm-hmm. we're so busy working. Yeah. Like we have day jobs. Yeah. We don't have time to do what a lot of these a lot of these younger filmmakers do 
where they just spent the last four years, three years of their life learning the technology that's out there. Right. We're still, we, we now have to try and catch up with them. Yeah. Because they're ahead of because the curve. We're old. Yes, yes. <laughs> we're behind the curve. Yeah. Plain and simple. We're behind the curve. Yeah. And I think that's also a um, side effect of the circle we have. Mm. And I'm not saying this about the people specifically that we work with. It's mm. just the fact that working with the same people over and over and over again, you do you do get into a bubble and yeah. you find that level of works. comfort. Yeah, it works. Exactly. Why fix it if it's not broken? Yeah, you get into that bubble and unfortunately you miss what's happening yeah. outside of the bubble. Yeah. So we went to these fil- we've been going to these film festivals specifically to find out what are we doing wrong? Right. One oh, here's, thing. here's another thing. Go ahead. These, these younger filmmakers, they ADR. They absolutely ADR. You know, it was like so commonplace. And, and it's like, yeah, well, you just mm-hmm. ADR this. You just ADR this. Yep. I mean, they how many Q&As? Fix it in post. Yep. ADR this, ADR and that. And I can't tell you how many filmmakers we know and people who we've seen and films we've seen, they absolutely dread yeah. doing ADR. Yeah. Hell, I dread it. I yeah. hate it. Oh, yeah. We hate doing ADR and we just do as much coverage on set as possible, which is great. Right. But that's not how it, that's, that's no. not how Hollywood does it. And these it. kids fully, they, yeah. they completely fully everything. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, okay, we got to step this up. Yeah. You know, we, we're, we're we, still using a lot of on set sound and I'm seeing these other films by, by 17 year old kids. Mm-hmm. They are not using their on set sound. They're not even bothering with it. Nope. You know, and when they do, they have, they have their freaking iPhone recording it. Yeah. Somehow. Clean, crisp that, audio. Well, but that's the thing. They're not somehow. The, that, I was going to say somehow. Somehow. No, it's not somehow. The technology of wire of lavaliers and wireless mics yeah. has improved so much drastically from what I'm accustomed to. I'm yeah. used to You don't even consider that. No, I, exactly. I don't even consider it unless you have unless I have yeah. that $3,000 rig of 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 sound. Mm-hmm. Now, you can get an amazing an amazing sounding lav mic for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And you can plug it directly into your iPhone mm-hmm. and record the audio that way. Oh yeah, you know. I and, feel like and on top we're of like that, two old people sitting on yeah. the porch right now. <laughs> Seriously, it really is, and um, it's just kind of blowing me away. Like, uh, you know, uh, the, these wireless mics. We're used to running through the radio frequency, and you get blips and blops, and you get noise, noise, and you get static out of them. Now they can run through Bluetooth, yeah. or they run through a Wi-Fi. If you're in, if you're indoors, you're on Wi-Fi, and you get a crystal clear. It, you you don't drop, you don't lose signal at all. Yeah. There's no interference between things because it's running through the Bluetooth now. Or it's running through the Wi-Fi, right? You know, and because of that, because we're just simply unaware mm-hmm. of the technology <laughs> that's getting out there every single day. Yeah, we're falling behind the curve. Yeah. So, um, it's that, that was, it was, it was just something that we noted, something we realized like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think this has led us to our, another revelation mm-hmm. where it's, um, you know, again, this is not your first film. I don't want first film time filmmakers to feel like, oh my God, I need a drone and I need the, the latest camera. Yeah. And no. I mean, this is, this is, if you want to raise yourself 
to a competitive, higher, a more competitive. You have to get, you have to have a good story first. You have Absolutely. to know how to tell a good story yeah. to begin with. Okay. Audiences are responding very well to the story. They're liking our, they're liking the acting in the film. Mm -hmm. They like the camera, the camera work. They like the lighting. They like the pacing. Yeah. They, they're enjoying everything about the film. Okay. But we're being hindered by a couple of technical mishaps. Yes. That's that's what we're trying to say. That's the reason. That's where we're going with this. And well, you make mistakes. Yeah, you, you do make mistakes. And I think it's also, you know, it's not to say that this is an excuse or to point it at that. But mm -hmm. um, when you're 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 working for favor, you know, for favors, or you're you, you know, um, and you're you're trying to get a lot done, and in, 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 when you, when you're rushing on set, when you're doing too many things, mm -hmm. um, which is where I was going with this. Yes. Um, then it's the things happen. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't always deal with things. You can't always problem solve. You can't always, um, it becomes secondary and there is kind of a fix it and post mentality, unfortunately. Um, so one of the things that we've learned now is that for, like I was going to say, uh, this is not for This is really hard to go about, you know? Yeah, it really Very is. fine line to... It is because it was new me. I don't want the first time filmmakers to feel like, oh my god, I need all this stuff. No, I mean this is literally when you want to take yourself to the next level. I also don't want don't want the people who worked on this film with us who might be listening to this thinking that we're talking, thinking that we're saying that they made a mistake. No, absolutely it's not. Not at all. No, no. no. It, I mean, it, it was decisions that we made, things that that we we didn't understand what was out there. We didn't, well, it's really hard to see what's happening three years in the future. Yeah. Um, once again, I mean, this is nothing on our crew. It's nothing on our cast. Everybody did a phenomenal job. Um, we're very proud. We're very pleased with the film. Um, but I think going forward, it, we've come to realize that at this stage of our journey, yes. Um, where we want to go and where we want to take our films mm -hmm. requires a bigger crew. Mm-hmm. I think we now understand number one the need for a DP and I number two. Understand what Timothy and Ulrich are always saying. Yeah, I, I see it. Okay, now. making movies is hard. <laughs> making movies is hard. I finally see <laughs> what they're talking. That's that's yes. I think where we're getting. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I fully get it. It's been beaten into my skull now. Yeah, when they've gotten specifically, they've gotten a couple of people right to them. Even us. Mm -hmm. Just go make the damn movie already. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Just get a camera and make it. Right. I'll get five people and just yes. go. <laughs> yes. And they say, well, no, we want this. We want this. We want that. And I hear that from a lot of filmmakers. Yeah. Oh, I can't do it without this. And I can't do it without that. I can't do it without a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do it without, without, without X, Y, Z equipment. Yeah. They're not saying that. In the way of that, where a lot of people do that, in that, like, they're kind of making excuses. They're self-sabotaging. Yeah. They're unconsciously self-sabotaging themselves. Yeah. Like, almost like sometimes they're too afraid to take that step and they can't admit it to themselves. Something inside them is telling them, well, without this, I can't do it. It's not going to look good. It has to be perfect. Right. The reason why they say that is because what we're doing now, mm -hmm. they've already done that. Yes. These guys are... 15 years into their career, yeah. that five-person crew is 15 years ago for them. They never made a feature yeah. with that five-person crew. But the two of them have plenty of short films 
that you have not seen and will never see because as far as they're concerned, they want to delete them. They Mm. don't exist because that was practice. These, those aren't the films that they want to represent their body of work. Right. I mean, that was, those were their mistakes. It's it's, it's not their vision anymore. Mm. Um, You know, it's just, it, it going back into being an, uh, an all hat wearer. Yes. It's just something that they're not interested in doing. Yes. Because yes. it, because they already, it, they already made those mistakes. Yeah. They've already made those mistakes. They, it, mm-hmm. It's already been a compromise. And at this point they've already been doing their commercials and mm-hmm. professional work for so long that they understand it's their new workflow. It's their workflow. Their That's workflow it. is to have somebody who yeah. handles this and who handles that, and, who, and it. They makes know what they sense. can get with that full crew. Yeah, they know what you can get with it, and they won't settle for any less. They understand that the type of film they want to make, mm-hmm. you cannot do that for twenty thousand dollars. No, you I mean, just can't. I sat there watching the credits of these films, and I'm counting the crew members because mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, yeah. and I'm and I'm kind of trying to keep track of everybody's names to to figure out, you know, mm-hmm. and on average, ten to fifteen people. Yep. On the cruise. Yeah, and these and and their video quality mm-hmm. exceeds ours. Phenomenal. Their sound quality drastically exceeds yeah. ours. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's it. Yeah. Our stories, our stories, very similar. Yes. Everything was very on par with the stuff we've seen, even some of the Brooklyn horror fest stuff. And we're talking, you know, some of these are four or $500,000 feature films. Yeah. Okay. But the film we made could sit up against them if it had that crystal clear image and the crystal and clear the crystal sound. clear sound. Yeah, ours still looks and sounds like a low budget film. Mm-hmm. But the storytelling and a lot of and, and and the acting and the editing, the pacing, the story itself, all of it is right there next. Yeah, the to CG, them. the effects, everything yes. held up. Yeah, held. I'm looking at theirs next to ours, and some of them, I'm like, some of them had CG that was worse than ours. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I'm, I don't mean I, I'm not saying which festival, no. festival specifically we saw that at, no. but there were some films that even won awards mm. that from festivals that we were rejected from. Their CG looked worse than ours. Yeah. Okay. So, but but their their the story fa- was there. The their visuals and yeah. sound were superior to yeah. ours, and that was. That was the key. That's what we're missing. They we could look have... past the CG, but they can't look past mm-hmm. sound, which is completely understandable yes. because bad sound, when you're, when you're watching something with bad sound, um, everything just seems worse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the noise when the sound is annoying you, you're, you're going to be like, oh, this is, oh, it's out of focus now. And, yep. oh, yeah. Oh, God. A friend of ours uh, worked for CUNY. I don't know if they if CUNY did the test or somebody, but you know he 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 was privy to a lot of different um, uh, uh, focus groups mm-hmm. and a lot of different studies on film, mm-hmm. simply because he worked for CUNY. So right. again, I don't know whether they did the study themselves or he just read the study. Right. Being as he worked for them, he had to, you know. Um, but he told me that one of the studies that was done proved that bad sound makes the shots look worse mm-hmm. that there was a lot of things uh they took us they took a, they took one movie and they gave them put them to two different groups the exact same movie 
but they used the unclean sound in one. They used the you know unmastered sound in this in one version, and the other version was fully mastered sound. Right. Okay. And the one with the unmastered sound, the feedback in that, a lot of the feedback was talking about how some of the shots were too long. They were too shaky. They were, the shots were not lit as well. Some of the acting was very poor, Mm -hmm. you know, the same exact movie. And all they did was improve, was have good sound in one screening and bad sound in another. And the bad sound made the movie look worse. Right. People, people think that we're visual creatures. And I mean, I think we discussed this in, in another episode where we are actually auditory creatures. Yeah. Um, where we hear a lot more than we see. Mm-hmm. Um, but when people go into a film or something, they're, they're going for a visual experience. Mm-hmm. So it's when you're, you're, cause people aren't going to be like, oh, that's not, you know, the normal layman is not going to be like, oh God, this sound is horrible. Yeah. They're just going to be annoyed and it's not going to be a pleasurable experience. And they're just going to apply why. it. Yeah. They don't know why, but they're just going to apply it to the visuals because they're watching a movie. Yeah. Because you can't imagine the fact that (laughs) what it is is that your brain is always filtering out sounds. Sounds. And and again, I think we've we've discussed this before. Your brain is constantly filtering out background sounds. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're sitting in a room and there's a fan that's going click, 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 click all day long, eventually you don't even notice the clicking. Your brain just filters it out. In a film, you're only talking about 90 minutes. You're talking about an hour and a half of time. And that click, click, click is going to change over Mm -hmm. time. It's not going to be a steady sound. So your brain is constantly resetting itself to try to eliminate those annoying sounds that are not steady enough for your brain to focus and remove. Mm -hmm. So it ends up becoming very noticeable because you're trying so hard to ignore it. And you just can't because it's not steady enough it's not constant enough it's kind of like when you see it when you you see a fly Mm -hmm. you know that fly's buzzing has probably been in the background Mm -hmm. for some time but when you actually see it then then you're like there's a fucking fly you know you can't ignore it anymore now everywhere that fly goes because you're aware the fly is there yeah you're gonna hear it even if you can't see it now you're gonna hear it yep and film is the same way. Exactly. Yes. Once you know it's there, you can't ignore it. No. You know, and the moment you hear some of that bad sound kick in, yeah. even when the other scenes you check out, have good you sound. Out. Yeah. Even when the other scenes have good sound. Yeah, exactly. You check out. You start, all right, you they've already lost your attention from yeah. one scene. Yeah. So now the next scene, they gotta start back from the beginning, even though the next scene may be perfect. Yeah. They gotta start from the beginning again of engaging you. Yes. Into the movie. And then the bad sound comes back, you know, 20 minutes later, you're right back to the beginning having to re-engage your audience when the sound gets good again. Yep. And It's just an uphill battle then you're yes. creating for yourself. Yes, yes. And honestly, one of, one of the problems is that uh, uh, it's, I think, again, Theta's only got maybe three scenes yeah. where the sound is questionable it's not bad Mm-mm. it's not bad but it's not perfect yeah is the point it's yeah. not perfect some of the other scenes a lot of the other scenes are great they sound there's they sound there, just, there there's they three really or four good. scenes that drop the ball and yes. those scenes that drop the ball mm-hmm. unfortunately are like 
They're interspersed They're throughout interspersed the movie. They're interspersed throughout the yeah. movie. The and first one is about 10 minutes in. The next one is about is about 15 minutes in. Then it, then the next one isn't for another half hour or 40 minutes. So you're getting real engaged, and then all of a sudden... Some it of happens the, again. It happens again. Um... So yeah, I think we've beaten audio. Too. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. so anyway, continue. Yeah, move on. Um, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing that I think we've learned, um, just more in general, um, is the importance of knowing your film and the importance yes. of knowing your film festival. Yes. Um, I think now we've experienced enough films and uh, well, film festivals with Theta that we've come to the conclusion that we did not make a horror movie. <laughs> Not not, uh, not 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 in the sense. Well, I kind of knew that it wasn't a horror. We kind of had an inkling. We were calling it more of a thriller, um, but we continued to hit the button for horror film festivals uh, to send it to the horror fest. Yeah. yeah. Um, even though we we knew down deep inside that it wasn't a horror movie. Um, the truth is, too, though, there's a lot of movies coming out like that. Yes, and. That's happening. There, I see this discussion all over the place. This post horror nonsense. You know, these movies that are really good. There's, there's no more straight horror. That's what a big one I've heard. Yeah, uh, uh, something like like um, we've actually heard people say there were some people who said that it was not a was not a was not a real horror movie. It's not really a horror. That is a horror movie. Yeah. It is a horror movie. The problem is that people who don't traditionally enjoy horror films are enjoying, are enjoying it. So they can't admit to liking a horror movie. So it can't possibly be one because I don't like horror. Right. Theta seems to be falling into the category of those types of films where it is a horror film, but it appeals to non-horror fans. Yes. And as a result of that, the movies that are more traditional horror are beating us out because it's a horror film festival. So they want that more straight horror. So we have to gear it toward the festivals that are going more towards things like The Witch and The Void. A lot more cosmic folk. um, Off-kilter. Off-kilter. It's also got got a lot of hint of Mm sci-fi. You know, uh, a lot of people have told us that it's more of a sci-fi film than a horror film. And a lot of people, and it seems like the people who have actually suffered from insomnia, who have suffered from sleep paralysis (laughs) and, um, you know, fractured sleep syndromes in general. Yeah, but... um, Seem to under... Seem to... It's a love letter to them, and and people they get it. Like yeah, but that's like saying that somebody who's had cancer, uh, 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 I, or somebody who's had AIDS identifies with Philadelphia. Well, yeah, no, you know, but, I mean I, it's a movie made for them, obviously. Yeah, but I think it's it's something that we didn't take into account mm-hmm. um, in finding our audience. In finding our audience, yeah, we didn't gear it toward those people. Yes, yeah, we didn't gear our our film festival selections towards sort of our off kiltery kind of yeah. Artistic. We knew the movie was weird, but we yeah. didn't take. We didn't look for weirder festivals. Yes. You know, um, Sean O'Shea had a lot of very artistic films. Mm-hmm. Very artistic. Um, uh, um, well, I mean, it's named for like we said, Sean O'Shea, uh, who is a very independent spirit, and it, mm-hmm. it's very much they captured that independence where it's like it's yeah. nothing's really defined. Everything's a little mesh of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they had film. They had one film, um, beautiful film, amazing film that was um, shot in in India, and uh, it was a documentary about a woman who's building her dream home and the complications of all these things. And then, right against you know a fa- folk horror like Dogged, and then yeah, they they have unique. 
-hmm. It's a very unique film festival. And they really specialize in finding kind of unique. Skip, skip just to find it as the Fringe Festival. Yes. Fringe, the Fringe Films at a Fringe Festival. Mm -hmm. Not your traditional films that you would see all over the place. You're going to find something different. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I noticed that the festivals that we've been playing at kind of have that. That fringe feeling, It's yeah. very fringy. It's very like, huh, I, I, I haven't seen anything like this before. This mm -hmm. is different. I mean, it's, it's familiar, but different at the same time. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the festivals we got rejected from, I see, play a lot of the same types of movies. Mm -hmm. All the movies go well next to each other yeah you know and not saying that it is not saying it like sean o'shea the films didn't go well next to each other at all because they were just they were all different enough yeah where it made sense like well how else do you program these films mm -hmm. they it's if you're into this type of thing you're probably going to be into this because they're just strange and artistic and different enough yeah where when you if you're looking for something different this is the type of festival you yeah go to. you get a little bit of everything yeah you know um oh, which by the way we saw this amazing film which i just want to give it a shout out because it just popped into my brain um Bro brooklyn in july yes Brooklyn in July. Fantastic film. If you get the opportunity, go find it on Facebook. It's fantastic. It's not on YouTube or anything. It's not on There's YouTube no, yet or anything. Festivals. They're still doing festivals with it, but go ahead, give them a follow and, mm -hmm. you know, see if you can watch it because it's... Well, that's a perfect example. Yeah. We we are this, we have Theta's this kind of sci-fi thriller. Mm -hmm. Next, playing immediately next to Dogged, which is a, like, Wicker Man style folk horror. Right. Okay. There was at least three or four other films at the festival that were all that were that more dramatic, oh, yeah. and they were forget folklore. Yeah, no, that were about um, racial inequality. Yes, you know, like there were at least three Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term, type yeah. films. Right, you know, where it was about the history and history and, and the struggle of minorities in America. Mm -hmm. And it was also put up against uh, another fantastic film from another young filmmaker um, that was about the dangers of webcams. Mm -hmm. Yes, and this is the same festival that played the that played the uh, 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 a music video, an animated music video made by a fourteen year old girl. Yeah, for a band that does children's music. Yeah, so. Exactly. So that's the point, that there was a huge range of films. And a lot of these other festivals we noticed we're not getting into doesn't have that, range. that eclectic of a range of yeah. film. You know? Um, so, to get back. <laughs> it's so, it's like these things are so difficult to really talk about because it's like, how do you explain this properly? It's, it's a feeling we get. When yeah. you're there, you just see it. And mm -hmm. like, I got it now. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you have to know your audience. You have to know what type of movie you're making. Mm -hmm. So this way, when you start, when you do start submitting it out there, you really have to find the festivals that are looking for your type of movie. Yes. Okay? Um, you have to, have to look at the festivals, look at their websites. You what have, they have to do research. Yes. yes. And I don't mean just look through their names and, oh, I know. That. No. You have to watch the trailers for these movies. Mm -hmm. You have to get a feel for the festival as a whole. Yeah. 
Because the truth is, there are thousands, hmm. thousands. So many, and you can hit that submit button. I think I think Film like, Freeway has something like a hundred and fifty thousand festivals in yeah. its database, and, it, and it's like with our instant gratification society that hitting that submit oh, button. I like the title of this film, <laughs> Nightmares. We made a movie about nightmares. Send it to them. Yeah. <laughs> nope, we got rejected. Yeah. Because it's they're called the Nightmares Film Festival, but. Their films are not about nightmares. No. Their films are straight horror films. Yeah. Yep. Okay, which we're not fitting in. No, and people Even who though... are people who are looking for straight horror, like a slasher, are not going to be like, "Oh, Theta States." That yeah. sounds awesome. Like it's just not their programming. It's just not their wheelhouse. You know, yeah. it's you have um, to find where your audience. And is. it's amazing. It is such an incredible feeling when you find a film festival that just gets you. Yeah. Uh, Sean O'Shea was an incredible experience. Um, it's one of my favorites. I think, you know, I know I shouldn't say that publicly. Um, and I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm saying it publicly. I mean, I still have a number of my own to check out, but, um, you know, it's one of my favorites because it's such good people. It's such a great range. Um, it's, it's embracing young filmmakers. It's embracing women in film, um, minorities in film, uh, folklores from all around the world, um, every type of genre you can imagine. It's it's it felt so good to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the frustration and pressure that we were feeling was released because it was our tribe. Yeah, you know, and this was the audience we were looking for. Yeah, this was the audience exactly that we were looking for. We were home. Yes, this is this is the this is the one of the festivals that this film belonged at. Yeah. Um. And and I loved it, and I loved being there. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Brooklyn Horror Film Festival is where I, I want, want to, to be. be. Yes. And that's what we came to this. Right. Like, those are the types of... I mean, look, I don't care if I made a movie that wins Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. Mm-hmm. I will still send it to Sean O'Shea. Oh, yeah. I will still send it to Jersey Horror Con. Yeah. I will still send it to those First other... First Contact fe- and Macabre yes. Fair and, yes. you know... Because, because much like much like a, a, a lot of other filmmakers, they get their start at these festivals and mm-hmm. when they get big, they still send them back there. Yeah. Back to those festivals they went at. Because they got them. They're the first people who embraced them. Yeah. Right. You know, if it helps them out, then we are more than happy yes, to help them yes. because they help they've stood with us. That can help their so we would stand grow. with them. Yes. What else is on the list? I just have one little. Um, there was a film that we saw. Um, it was the New York premiere, world premiere. Get my gun. It was the world premiere. World premiere. Um, it was a local feature yep. um, at Brooklyn Horror. Yep. The director is. I'm probably going to slaughter his name. Uh, Brian Darus. Darus. D-A-R-U-A-S. I'm just going to spell it out for y'all. Um, <laughs> we, we sat through his Q&A. I mean, it's a great film. Um, very Miss 45. Uh-huh. Um, very cool little film. You know, trigger warning, there is a uh, implication of rape. So just an FYI. Yep. Um, but really great film. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, but he said this very beautiful thing, or not really beautiful, but very intelligent, poignant, poignant um, bit of advice that he passed on to uh, filmmakers that I wanted to pass on to our audience here. Um, and what he does is for every scene, he looks for the iconic imagery. Um, he looks for, he tries to reference something iconic in every scene that he possibly can. So he goes to find that when shooting 
when shooting, when When shooting, when filming, he makes it a point to look for the iconic imagery. For that scene. For that scene. Yes. Yes. One specific shot Mm -hmm. or an angle that gives you the feeling and describes what this scene is about. So if you were to take one still Mm -hmm. from each scene through the course of the film, you see what this movie is all about through these stills. And um, that was his bit of advice. Yeah. He puts he puts a big focus on finding those stills. Yeah, and he tries to get one in just about every scene. Mm-hmm. Just find that angle, find yeah. that shot. And, and I think that's that, a really great way of also slowing yourself down. If you make that a goal, you will slow yourself down, and you will like take that time to focus on your visuals. Mm-hmm. You know, it it at least gives you that, like, I have to get this one particular shot. We have to do, you know, and you focus yeah. on the visuals. And it's a good reminder yeah. to do so. It's, it's one of those things where um, years seasoned DPs, mm-hmm. they don't look at every single shot anymore Mm-mm. as, is this the perfect shot? Because they already know how to get the perfect shot. Right. The perfect shot is so second nature to them, they don't have to think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. They just do it. Right. You know? But what we're at right now, we're not at, we don't have that 40 no. years of filmmaking experience. Well, yeah, I mean, you get to the point where it's like you do enough of that and you actually make that a focus of yours, mm-hmm. then you will literally have a data bank of like the money shots that you've created over time. So you literally, when you're like, okay, this is the feeling of the scene, great, I know how to shoot this. That's what those those guys with years of experience have. They have a library of of money shots that they've already created. Yes. Anything else you want to? No. I always want to do a rundown at the end of it, and I know you hate that. So do the rundown then. Okay. Here's the rundown. Number one, audio audio is king. Get clean audio. Embrace ADR. Yeah. Embrace technology. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you hear you hear a lot about. Uh, I know that. Well, I don't even hear it anymore. Years ago was when when the drones started coming out. Oh man, really? You want to shoot with a drone? You want to shoot with a drone? The drone and and people kind of looked down on getting a drone because it was so popular. Yeah, and now it's it's standard. The 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 shots that they get are just so damn beautiful. Yeah, uh, you know it's, it, it it's, can be overdone. It, it can, can totally be overdone. Yeah, but you there's nothing like introducing your world. With an establishing shot by a drone. Eh, you need to need it. Yeah. That's the other part of if it. If your you, world is big, then yes. You have to need it. Yeah. You know, but but the truth is, like, uh, over years ago, you used to just kind of look down on it. Well, you're going to use a drone? Oh, yeah, there you I go. Gotcha. Send the damn thing out there and do the drone. You know, but now it's standard. Yeah. It's... You know, Hollywood, big production films, they, you know, they shoot, they put their film, uh, put the camera on a helicopter. Or yeah. You know, they have a crane that goes way up and you're, you're basically replace. you, you don't want to get a drone shot for the sake of having a drone shot. Right. It's like, you can now do that crane shot you've always wanted. Mm-hmm. Just use a drone. Right. You know, you can do that helicopter bird's eye view with the drone. You can do a lot of these really high angle shots. You can even use them indoors if you want. If you can, if you don't, if you can't get the camera up that steady, use the drone indoors. Yeah, and just get the damn shot you need. I, th- I think you're missing the point of a rundown. <laughs> well, I didn't say this earlier, so go ahead then. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
a bigger crew, embrace getting a DP and a boom operator. And another title that we heard a lot over the over, especially Brooklyn Horror, was production designer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely consider bringing on those extra crew members. Um, it'll really help out everything. Um, know your film. Uh, know your audience. Mm-hmm. And know your film festivals. Do your research. And uh, that's it. And look for the money shot. Yeah. And every scene. Yeah. So that's what we learned. There you go. That's I what hope we learned. that this is somewhat helpful or interesting or. No, it's probably not. It's probably not. But I'm going to say, yes, it is. And I hope it inspires you to either take the next step in your journey, whether it's making your first film, making your second film, entering a bigger film festival, um, making a first feature, whatever it is, I hope that you uh, find inspiration to take your journey. Hooray. Unicorns. (laughs) Sure. So that's it for us here at uh, Filmmaking Sucks this week. Uh, Follow us on Facebook at Filmmaking Podcast Mm -hmm. on Facebook. Um, uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play Music and all that stuff. Uh, Follow us on Instagram. I'm MGP Director. I'm Maskravet. Maskravet on Instagram. Uh, Twitter on Twitter. I am Massgrave. She is also Massgrave. Mass yep. Okay. We are also remember we're still doing we're doing the thirty one days of horror shirts and thirty one days of horror movies horror geek challenge. Yeah. Two different Instagram challenges that we're doing. Join us. Join us. Join us. If you check out our Instagram pages, you can see the list of films every single day. The different for the genre. month is a different genre of horror film to accompany the day so if you can so see if you can uh get them all in there that's it yep hopefully we'll talk to you next week hopefully until then get out there and make good films everybody